Hello and welcome to Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. A whole new world of fun. Everyone's invited. Hello everybody, welcome to episode 18 of Canine Hooper's World, the podcast. Today, this guest joined us in season one. She's back for season two and... um, This episode of Advanced Warning could get a little controversial. Some people may get upset by it, but it's my podcast and I can talk about what I want. So Carla from The Valley's Dog Training. How are you, my love? I'm all right. Thank you very much. How are you? I feel like he said, but how you love? I love. Actually, <laughs> funny you say that. I've got a neighbour. I have no idea what her name is, and I just know her as the I love woman because that's all I ever hear of. Right? Come out the house. I love every single time. <laughs> that's about as Welsh as I get. Like that's the only thing I can kind of say properly in a Welsh accent is the is the how you love. Um. Anywho. 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 So today we are going to be talking a little bit about rescue. A little bit about judging people um you did a talk at the virtual dog conference the other day that I messaged you just after and when that was wicked come on the podcast we need to talk about this more because it was a brilliant talk and people can find that um in the virtual dog conference group on Facebook go check that out I've done some talks there as well um but the other thing as well, the breeds, because I'm doing a little breed section now this season. So do you want to talk foxhounds or tollers? Me? Yeah. Either or, I really don't mind. I would say I'm very much a newbie to both, to be completely honest. I know that my foxhound is a bit atypical for what she is, so I don't know whether it would be a realistic example, but the toller is mostly walking ginger testicles at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) You did a lot of breed research, which we're going to talk about. um, So that will lead us on. So we might talk about both, but yeah. Yeah. So for people that didn't listen to you in season one, season one, we were talking about photography because you take really awesome pictures. And part of the reason why I get such awesome photos of Dodge is because Carla taught me how to get good photos of my dog. So Thank you. Um, had a nice one the other day of him laying in the daffodils and looking all beautiful. He also was covered in mud because he'd been swamping, which wasn't quite the plan, but... I would say him in his natural environment. It's fine. You want to capture his character after all. And honestly, that chair now, like I put him in the chair and he poses straight away. Anyone <laughs> that watches my Facebook lives will know about the chair. Um, it, it is the ground by the government chair, but... Dodge goes in it. I hit, I put a rose up and he's like, ta-da. <laughs> I've reinforced him to pose. Like it, it was one of the things on my list of things this puppy needs to learn. Hooper's posing. Yeah, the two most important things. Pretty much describes me pretty well, actually, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> There's definitely a parallel of the priorities of what <laughs> your dog needs to be good at. Um so Carla, people that haven't met you before, um, you're from Wales. Yes, deepest, darkest South Wales. So I live just north of Cardiff. Technically, I'm in Rondekanontaf. So that's, uh, I'll try and make Carrie pronounce that later. Uh, and I live in a little town called Bather. Um, and I run Valley's Dog Behaviour and Training. I kind of cover all of South Wales. That wasn't necessarily my intention to start with. However, people keep travelling from all over the place to come and see me. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say you were greedy. <laughs> I know, just really, really greedy. Really, really greedy. I'll just go and see anyone for pennies, basically. <laughs> no. 
Um, and I specialize mostly in behavior issues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So aggression and kind of reactivity and stuff like that is my favorite thing to do. Um, I like the dogs that are the weird puzzles. I like the ones where it doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit into anything that I kind of understand. Those dogs make me grow. Um, and yeah, that's basically it really. Um, you do a lot of work with Cardiff Dogs Home, don't you? Yes, yeah. So I work at Cardiff Dogs Home three days a week now. Um, and I work literally just directly with the dogs, sometimes with the adopters as well. So with the sort of long-term cases, uh, they actually get free training with me after the dog is adopted, um, just to kind of support them staying in that home. Mm -hmm. I'm putting together an online course together with Emma Taylor from Rat Pack Dog Services, um, who you should also get onto this podcast. She's absolutely fab. She's hilarious. She is very funny. Um, right, I will send me a note. Hook excellent. us up, I'll pencil it in and we will do that. We'll make it happen. Excellent. Uh, and we're making an online course that's going to be free to all adopters from Cardiff Dogs Home and then a tiny cost um, for anybody that's adopted a dog in the UK at all. Uh, we're going to keep it very kind of low cost, that kind of thing, so that anybody can access it and it's quite accessible. Um, and the online course is going to be full of all sorts of things from like house training, what to do if your dog's counter surfing, what to do if your dog's barking at other dogs, how to settle them in, what equipment's best to walk your dog on, all of that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, basically, because we want to start reducing the amount of bounce back dogs. Yeah, because I find that actually the more severe aggression cases, people know what they're taking on. So they commit to that dog. Yeah. Whereas the people that adopt a dog that seem fine at Cardiff dog, Dogs Home, as dogs quite often seem completely normal within a stressy kennel environment, and then go home. Later, they've been in the home and they've unpacked their bags a bit more. 100%. And it's those dogs and those people that I want to target to set them up for success. Because actually, like I said, the, the long termers, the difficult dogs, they will have support because the owners know what they're going into. Mm -hmm. But actually, it, it's the dogs that are normal, for lack of a better phrase, that mm -hmm. quite often are the ones that bounce back. And they're quite often as well the ones that we're like, well, why is this dog back? We don't understand why this dog is back. Um, so yeah, I think one thing a lot of people don't realise, and um, there's quite a cool like little poster that does the rounds on social media, is the rule of three when it comes to dogs. And there's sort of a couple of rules of three. The first one is like stroke the dog for three seconds, then stop and see if they want to interact with you again, which is really good for seeing if the dog actually does want physical contact or not, because yeah. a lot of dogs don't yeah but when we're talking rescue dogs it's um three days for them to kind of learn that they are in this environment three weeks for them to start kind of relaxing and becoming acclimatized to their new surroundings and three months for them to actually feel relaxed and comfortable and the thing is with that as well is that I don't think it's three, three, three. I think uh, people don't like this necessarily. It's like calling people's dogs Satanists, but I think it's more like six, six, six. I would say that it normally takes just shy of a week for the dog to feel like, okay, this is where I am now. Yeah. I'd say it's six weeks before the dog starts to relax a little bit. Yeah. Um, and about six months before you really start seeing the actual side of that dog. I think yeah. three, three, three is very optimistic. Yeah. For a and dog that may that be the kind of easier dogs as well, but... The other thing people have to remember is that when when you're getting rescue dogs, it, rescue one thing I'm massive on is rescue does not mean broken. No, not all dogs that end up in rescue end up in rescue because they have done something wrong. Sometimes it's 
an owner's passed away. Sometimes yeah. it's change of circumstances. It may be that they've had a baby and the dog just can't cope living with the child in the house. Like, I know that um, you spoke on the talk about um, a dog that you'd been working with, absolutely massive ginormous Dane cross thing yeah. that couldn't deal with there being grandchildren in the house. So for the safety of everybody, paramount the safety of that dog he wasn't suited to that home and this is kind of what I wanted to chat to you about because the initial emotional response of people giving up their dogs is oh, they failed that dog yeah they didn't try hard enough now there are people that do fall into that category yeah yeah 100 percent that have 100%. done no breed research have gone out got a dog and within 24 hours the dog is back at the kennels because it's not meeting expectations like yeah. huh yeah absolutely I mean we had a border collie in um she's hopefully she's got some good applications on her um and she's six months old actually I can talk about two different border collies because we had two border collies come in one male one female both the same age mm -hmm. now the first one he was actually signed over because of increasing aggression and they had a child in the house Right. So he would do very strange behaviours. So uh, I spoke about this in the conference, but the woman, she was standing eating cheese out of her fridge. Mm -hmm. Again, not judging anyone for eating yeah, cheese. Hey, I fridge. do it frequently. Yeah, absolutely. Like the shredded cheese, just like fistfuls of it. Yeah, I'm not going to judge. No, there's no judging on that. Like, <laughs> but, but he walked in, saw what she was doing and launched a sustained attack at her. She had to use a chair to batter her way out of the room. And the dog's wow. only six months old um he would that's do... terrifying absolutely considering all right they'd had like a collie cross type thing before but that dog was elderly and now they have a young daughter in the house and they contacted me initially for an emergency consultation went down to go and meet them um obviously during lockdown masks doors open all of that sort of thing but obviously because they'd been quite like it was impacting welfare of the household and safety i sort of deemed yeah, it yeah yeah okay. Um, and actually I said to them, look, I can put together a training plan for you, but you're going to have to follow it to the letter and there's going to have to be a lot of management. Yeah. However, I do fully support you returning this dog to the dog pound and us finding you rescue space. Mm -hmm. But I said, I can't take this dog from you. Like that's not my remit, but I can give you these options yeah, yeah, because yeah. I don't want to ever put somebody in a situation of saying you need to give that dog up because that puts them in a horrible situation. I can strongly advise towards that, mm -hmm. but it's not, I, I'm not a dog warden. I can't seize dogs. I can't outwardly no, no, no. directly. I, I had to do it um, many, many, many moons ago. Um, it was two Jack Russells and it was going to end up with one of the dogs was going to be killed. Yeah. And I went, you need to find a new home for one of them. And that's what they did. And one the dogs went into rescue and yeah and that is the only time I've ever said to someone you need to rehome one of these dogs because especially with terriers like if yeah. Jodie's listening we've done a whole episode on terriers in fact the last episode was with Jodie and Emma all about terriers amazing once the terrier decides that it wants to kill something that's kind of what they're gonna do yeah and when you've got two male Jack Russells that have decided they want to kill each other, yeah. that's not a thing. Like, it just wasn't safe for anyone. It was causing massive disruption. There were baby gates everywhere. And you can put control and management into an extent, but 
no one in the house was thriving. No, that's and the thing. We should be also, setting ourselves and up to thrive. We should. You would debate whether they were even surviving, to be honest. Like, it was just, it was a crisis state. So, one of the dogs went to rescue, was rehomed in a dog-free home. And the older dog that was the original dog in the house is still going and actually now lives with another male dog absolutely perfectly fine but would people like if they said we gave up our dog and got another dog i can imagine they got a lot of flack for that of some people the second dog they got was a rehome yeah <laughs> yeah and that's it, the thing it kind of like, went full circle they they had to give one up to rescue but then they adopted another one so Funnily enough, um, some of the staff, they listened to my talk that I did the other day, mm. and it actually made an adoption go through that wouldn't have otherwise gone through. So they had an inquiry come in for a dog, and it turned out that about six years ago, they actually um, signed over a dog to the pound. Mm -hmm. And she was saying that before she listened to my talk, she would have automatically kind of discounted that application because there are a few applications on this particular dog. But she phoned them up and had a chat to them about it. And it turns out that it was because they had a new baby that the dog wasn't getting on with. And they mm -hmm. signed the dog over to rescue because of that. Mm -hmm. Now, now the adoption is actually going to go ahead because this dog is suitable to live with children and all of that sort of thing, which is amazing. They're able to get their dog and rescue should exist like that. It exists to help people and help dogs. Mm -hmm. that, that's the thing. Um, I, I am a firm believer that if you if you look the right dog is there yeah and i feel that again and this is where where the whole judging thing comes in because if you have that knee-jerk emotional response which we get because it's not nice to have to give a dog up and it's horrible and like blah 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 but i remember um before dodge even came along um this little spitz type dog ended up at glendy um who freaking love glendy rescue big shout out to gina and her team because they're amazing what they do this little puppy came in and it was around the christmas time i think she was 10 weeks old and had had like nine homes or something stupid like this tiny little floof had been like it had been on gum tree it had been on pre-loved it had been shoved from here to there from everywhere because it wasn't house trained kelsey prize yeah and i went and met her and oh my god she was delicious and i took the girls to meet her and i came home to dale and dale went what do you think and i went she's not my dog no no and i just knew deep down and i remember phoning um the kennels the next day and saying look i've slept on it she's not my dog and yeah. she now lives in devon with her whole family all to herself, living her best life. Amazing. And, it's, and I mean, she's got, and she would have fit in with my crew quite easily, but you know, it, it wasn't the shepherd I wanted. At the time I had a genius Mate. idea that I wanted a Mallee. Um, that's been rethought. Um, <laughs> a, a small spitzy pom type was definitely not a large shepherdy pastoral breed. No. But it's it funny the breed we end up with, isn't my, it? Not what at. my kind of, my heartstrings were saying, I would have gone, oh, I need her, I need to save her. Yeah. But actually, my brain went, but you want a bigger dog that you can do hoopers with. Yeah. Yeah. You've already That's got a little ginger thing, so... 
and I did, I was worried about ringing the rescue to say she's not my dog, but I knew them well enough to know that they would understand. Yeah. Why I said it? Well, it's funny you say that. You probably saw in the video there was Lyra. Lyra's a young hound lurchy kind of mix. That's oh, was that the little the pretty thing? She's not that little, but she is very pretty. She's um she looks a little bit like if you're basically. If you imagine my peaches, my foxhound, mm -hmm. the lurcher, that's what she looks like. Now yeah, she's got a slightly regally pointery sort of yeah. present. Yeah, beautiful dog, beautiful dog. She's lovely. She has her problems. Um, she's a bit of a shark. <laughs> However, absolutely love her to bits. Um, with me, she's an angel. With the staff and the volunteers, she's a knob. Now, <laughs> an inquiry came through for her. Um, it was a vegan family that had 20 acres of their own farmland with no animals on it. Wow. And we were like, oh my God, amazing. This sounds like a really, really good mix for her because she's a little bit dog reactive. She's a bit sensitive to kind of environmental stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and the wife in particular, she was like, I want to look into doing like agility or sports or something. I want to learn how to do it. And I was like, this is amazing because this dog loves learning. Like she's mm -hmm. fantastic. So did an introduction, all went well. They walked her, they did all the thing. They liked her, they got on. She liked them and didn't try and eat them. So that's always a positive. Then they phoned up a couple of days later and the woman started the phone call with saying, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I was like, what's up? Like, let's talk through it. And she was like, I don't think we can take her on. I don't think she's the dog for us. I think that there's a lot of work that needs to be done that we can't commit to. And I said to them like, that's brilliant. Fantastic. Thank you very much for letting me know. Like that is, I would much rather you let me know that now than the dog get returned. So we've switched their application onto another dog that's more suitable. Now she thought that she was going to ring up the rescue and they were going to go, well, if you don't want the dog, go away. But actually we were going to go, brilliant. If this isn't the dog for you, that's fine. Let us help you find the right dog for you. Yes. Exactly yes, that yes, kind of yes. thing. Yes. And like, I remember, um, like, and not all rescues do that, unfortunately. And not all rescues are created equally. Um, but one thing I hear a lot is people going, well, I didn't get a rescue because I can't get a rescue because they won't let me have a dog. Yeah. Yeah. There's always reason. Why? Why? Yeah. Now, is it that specific dog that you were looking for that needs to be in an active home without children, without other animals and can be you know difficult on lead and you're living on a third floor flat with minimal garden access you've also got a hamster and a guinea pig yeah and three children running around like that's probably not the right match which is possibly why you was told no sorry that's yeah. not going to be a thing or even a lot of people don't get a no sorry, they get no response. And I can understand people getting upset with that, but most rescues are run by volunteers or very limited staff. So Cardiff Dogs Home is a council pound. So it's got council employees, mm -hmm. but then there's a charity that employ me that then kind of like help out basically. Yeah. Um, so when you get 150 applications through for a dog, there isn't the resources to get back to everybody and explain why. Yeah. So, and I can understand people getting upset with it, but again, the volume of applications that come through because everybody wants to rescue the poor rescue doggies. Mm -hmm. And like I said, Lyra, she's had something like 115 applications now, one of which so far has been suitable. Yeah. 
and it's that's just how it is i used to do fostering um and we i used to i used to foster feral kittens who does that like <laughs> It's just ridiculousness. Million um, with the pink hair. <laughs> um, I blame the peroxide. I blame everything on the peroxide. <laughs> but um, I remember when we had um, my parents were away at one point, and um, I had to. I I was looking after the house. And they came home and there were like two feral kittens in the house with our border collie. And I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I brought some kittens home from work. And they were like, seriously? Um, my brother ended up having one of them and another friend had the other one and they were fine. But one of the kittens I brought home um, had a deformed back leg and he basically didn't have a back leg. Um, it was deformed at birth. Um, he was gonna have surgery to actually take the stump off because the stump wasn't helping him that cat got so many applications yeah because he yeah. was broken yeah Yet one of them we had for three months before he was even ready to think about being put up for adoption and to be honest he was so feral yeah that it got we actually kept him because it took long yeah. enough for him to settle with us like it's funny that you say that. We had a misc bull breed, um, like, you know, the type, just like a staffy, but a little bit the bigger, a little bit wide. Yeah, big wide head thing. Yeah. And she I had no applications on her, no interest at all. And one day, the one of the staff members, because she was in that she loved hanging out with people in the office. So she'd, she'd like hang out in the office all day rather than in the kennels. And whether you agree with it or not, one of the staff members was a little bit bored and decided to paint her toenails and put a hat on her. And this picture from social media and overnight 50 applications. It's the same dog. It's just that she had her toenails painted and a hat put on her. This is the thing. When you're looking at social media, the reasons that people apply for dogs aren't the right reasons necessarily. I mean, she found a wonderful home through this process and it was good advertising for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for the dog's home that... Absolutely. Yeah. However, like, why did that work? Why did it work? Um, it, it's, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. I think a lot of people, especially with COVID and all that kind of thing. So down at Cardiff Dogs Home, it used to be that the kennels were open. So you could come down, you could come and look around the kennels. Wow. Now, because COVID has obviously impacted that, we can't have people down. People no longer come through the kennels and we're actually going to keep it that way because we've managed to convince the managers that be and all that sort of thing that the dogs are happier. I was going to say, that must be much less stressful for the dogs to not have. 100% because a lot of people would come down for like the free zoo they bring like their kids down for a day out to come and have a look at the nice little rescue doggies which as you can imagine was delightful signs everywhere don't touch the dogs if you want to keep your fingers oh god yeah i can imagine now all the way the application process works is people will see a picture of a dog on social media put in an application and then maybe they'll be considered to come and meet the dog mm -hmm. and it, it's not I don't know what the answer is with that because people see these cute dogs on social media and actually the dog in person might not necessarily match that in a hundred percent like just because our, yeah but like our lovely bully breed wearing a little hat and her toenails painted she's still a bull breed she is still yeah. a bull breed with all of the potential issues that come with that yeah yeah um I've gone off topic completely. I've gone no, off. No, not at all. No, but it's not though because it's still talking about <laughs> rescue and and the discussion of it because I think it is very, but that is also that emotional response. You see a bull breed and people go, oh, it's a bull breed. Because 
they're very much marmite dogs yeah you either absolutely love a fat head or you <laughs> don't that camp. like yeah you know you either do or you don't a little bit like your hounds like i mean yeah. i adore peaches would i have a hound in my house no because i'm not mental <laughs> would i have a shepherd in my house no because i'm not mental it's, it's yeah and that's the thing, you know, because the reason why their dogs are so varied is because people are so varied. And part of the element of choosing a dog and going for breeds is the aesthetic because people are very visual. Yeah. We are. You yeah. know, if if I see like a dog that's with its owner, like labs, no offense to Labrador people. I love labs. I'm a lab person. I like Labradors. Like, I like them. They're a nice dog. It's not why I'd have our choice. Yeah. But if I see a lab, the other morning I was out walking with my friend, um, young couple out of the lab, doing some recall training. It made my heart happy because yeah. I saw a happy dog with happy people putting the work in, teamwork, yeah. amazing. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, would I then be like, oh, I definitely want one of those dogs? No, just yeah. the gun dog set on. They're just yeah. not for me. Like the whole group of gun dog just. Well, that's funny yeah. that you do that actually. I ended up with Peaches, my foxhound, who is currently asleep on top of a crate behind me. Because um, she's amazing and we love her. She's a knob. You can all have her for free. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I got her completely by accident. So she was in rescue with Barney's Small Breed Rescue in South Wales. I don't know why they ended up with a foxhound in rescue, but there we go. And I was, she came to me at a year old for residential training. So because she'd had six homes and she kept bouncing yeah. back at a year old. Mm -hmm. um, so she came to me for training and I was like, this is fine. I'll kind of foster and train and all of that kind of thing. And then was I did a couple of introductions to people that wanted to meet her and realized very quickly that I didn't want to let go of this dog and that she was mine, basically. Now, my plan was to do residential training with her to earn that little bit more money, to do a little bit more stuff. And that money was going to go into the pots that I was saving up for a pedigree working lines black Labrador, a male. That's what I wanted. And I ended up with a white bitch foxhound. So I don't really know how this happened. However, if I had looked at her picture, I'd have gone, she's beautiful, but she's not mine. I'm not into hounds. It's not my dog. But when I had this dog in my house, interacting with my dogs, and I was training her, I fell completely head over heels in love with her. Yeah. So it's that flip side to it as well. I now love hounds. I love how naughty they are. I love the fact that yesterday she pissed off across the beach to go and say hello to a Cocker Spaniel. Now, her recall, nine times, well, 99% of the time is absolutely spot on. We've worked but really yesterday, hard yesterday, no. Absolutely not. I was that person going, sorry, I was mortified. Oh, you were that person. <laughs> well, the thing is, I had my other dog with me who's a little bit spicy, so I didn't want to go up there and catch her. But thankfully, she did that thing where she runs. She goes, you're there. Okay, bye. And then ran back, taking a dump on the way back. Thanks, Peaches. Bless her. <laughs> when we're talking about kind of choosing specific breeds, Peaches is a rescue foxhound with all of the various issues that come with that. Mm -hmm. But likewise, and you, you've mentioned this before about the adopt and shop. Mm -hmm. So I've got three, four dogs and I live on my own. I've got Trevor, who is my first, my absolute love of my life. He's my staffy. Uh, he came from Cardiff Dogs Home seven years ago now. I've got Elsie, who was a being given away on Facebook for free dog at four and a half weeks old. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Saw where she was, gave the owner 80 quid and told her to get a dog spayed because that's how much it cost back then. Um, so yeah, and thankfully she did put that money towards her dog getting spayed, which is good. Yeah. Um, and then obviously I then ended up with Peaches. She's from a proper rescue. I do count Elsie almost as a rescue type. Yeah, she is. That's, that's a, yeah. Um, but then I've also got Alto, who is my purebred pedigree kennel club registered from a brilliant breeder, Nova Scotia duck tolling retriever. And as a person who, I've been asked this question, as a person who works in rescue, has three rescue dogs, absolutely supports rescue. I've had a lot of people go, oh, why did you buy from a horrible breeder? Why, why, why would you buy from a breeder if you support Let's rescue? get into this, yes. Absolutely. Now, if I go back to what I said before about my foxhound, what I wanted out of a black Labrador was because I'd started to fall in love with obedience. However, the I know, I know, you can roll your eyes. Loads of people think obedience is boring. Uh, and it, it is. It really uh, is. But I like the boring sports. I do. I like them. And I wanted a Labrador to kind of learn with because I knew that that, that kind of attitude, that kind of... I'm just going to, I'm just going to, Labradors are known for like being a typical obedience dog. So you were kind of already outside the box a little bit. <laughs> A little bit, absolutely. However, working lines labs have done fairly well. They're fairly forgiving. That kind of and gun they're, dog they're nature. They're very biddable dogs, aren't they? They're, they are happy to learn and train absolutely. and work with you. Rather and than I knew them. that, like, as much as like a border collie or a shepherd or a mally or something like that, as a dog trainer, a lot of people have said, "Why haven't you got one of those breeds?" Because they just don't do it for me. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely but they just don't do it for me i love them i i love hanging out with them but they're, they're not my dog mm. so i had had this plan and then started learning my, more about the kind of toller breed and all of that kind of thing uh found a breeder purely by accident um ended up on a waiting list and ended up with a pup basically um and now he's definitely i mean peaches i do obedience with somewhat ill-advisedly <laughs> She's well, either no, but I have to say, when you get her working, like there is something a little bit breathtaking about her. There is, and I don't give her enough credit for it. And I have no, to. No, she is stunning. She's all right. <laughs> Shush your mouth. <laughs> she's Shush a good girl. It's she's either on it or sniffing a squirrel four miles away. It's oh, one or the yeah. other, but that's to be expected with what she is. Yeah. But um, when she's on and you've got her moving, like you've put up some little videos of her and you doing like your training with her, she looks gorgeous. Like she just, she just floats. Yeah, like she does. She has that real, horse people understand what I mean. She's got the daisy cutter action. Like <laughs> she is- I, I'm not going to pretend to know what that means. <laughs> she is pretty. Any horse people listening will understand that as a big compliment. Like- it's just a very beautiful action she has. And she's got this kind of look at me. I remember when we first met at the um, at the instructor course I did when I was allowed to cross the border and come over. Um, I will be back, I promise, when I'm allowed. I'm coming You've back. You've got to be. I want to do one of your in-person core handling courses. I'm desperate to do yes, one. Yes, 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 yes. I will come once we're allowed and we can travel and stuff. But hopefully when this comes out, that might be a thing. So we might be arranging that. Um, but I remember you getting her out of the van and me just going, oh, you've bought a hound, goodie. Because I <laughs> Do you not remember her pissing off across the field to go and annoy a standard poodle? <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but it was funny. Um, 
And then I remember like you saying like, oh, do you want to like have a play of Elsie? And I was like, yeah, cool, wicked. Like I'll have the crazy Kelpie thing. Like that's cool. Um, the fact that you're not massively into shepherds and collies and the pastoral breeds, how did Elsie happen then? Um, <laughs> so I Elsie kind of falls into that bubble, babe. She does. She does absolutely. <laughs> but I wasn't expecting that. So this is a good example of why not to get dogs off the internet. <laughs> So it was going to be a Jack Russell or something. Please. Well, sort of. She was meant to be a staffy. <laughs> so <laughs> I started on my own podcast. So I met her mum. Her mum uh, looked exactly like Trevor, pretty much. Maybe like a badly bred Trevor, basically. And he's fairly badly bred anyway. But uh, a fat heady type, full fat heady type dog. White. And then she'd given birth to this litter of, there were some black and tans, there were some black, there were some just tan dogs as well. And they were being given away for free, like I said, because accidental litter she'd got out. They were all kind of short-coated. We assumed that she had probably mated with another staffy-ish type dog, because that's what the puppies kind of looked like. And then- right, it's right, Just quickly, just quickly, I'm just gonna dive in. So all puppies at that age, with the exception of English bull terriers, or should I say bull terriers, yep. All puppies look the same at that. I house. know, I know. This was entirely my mistake. So, and then her legs just kept growing <laughs> and her face kept growing. And it turned out that she was a Kelpie cross, basically. So <laughs> I have a good example of getting a staffy from a dog's home. I went down there looking for like a shepherd or a rotty. Like rotties, I love them. Big hairy dogs. I grew up with shepherds. Uh, I ended up walking this lunatic little dog. Because um, Trevor is little. He's a proper little Staffordy thing. Yeah, he's only about 14 kilos. He's a proper little yeah. piglet of a dog. Love um, I've since found out that apparently down at Cardiff Dog Home, they were quite keen to get rid of him at the time. <laughs> they used to go in and find him hanging off the bars at the top of the kennel, literally just dangling, and they'd have to go and like take him off and put him back on the floor. Um, he would escape the kennels regularly and just be like running around on the top of the blocks, basically, just having the time of his life. Um, so <laughs> why does that not surprise either of us though? We're like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, That's quite impressive though, because he is tiny and those kennel blocks are like, what, eight foot? Yeah, yeah. He'd climb up the walls, basically. He'd Good climb boy, up the metal. Bit, so yeah. Love him. Um, it does explain why all of his teeth are falling apart now, despite the fact that he's not old oh, enough for his teeth to be falling apart. Canines are all cracked and broken and all of that kind of thing. Oh, so he's yeah. going to be all gummy soon. He is going to be all. I mean, he's. I know if he bites you. <laughs> there is that. There is that. I mean, silver linings. <laughs> he's going to be gumming you. Oh, bless him. So, sorry. Anyway, so back to Elsie. So, how did you have her DNA done? Yes, I did. However, um, it's a bit interesting because I had her DNA tested before Wisdom Panel had the Kelpie in their genetic markers. Ah, okay. So I wasn't necessarily aware of what a Kelpie is or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I was like, so she came back as um, <laughs> Border Collie, Staffy, uh, Australian Cattle Dog, Greyhound, Canteria Dalmatian, <laughs> which I take with a pinch of salt. Uh, and generally, I just explain her as a Kelpie cross because that's what she looks like. It's what she behaves like. Um, I remember the day that I found out what Kelpies were, I'd taken her down to, you know, those indoor play parks? Ill-advisedly, yeah. that's the sort of place that I socialised her at, um, which is one of my regrets. 
but she disappeared under a table somewhere that had a tablecloth over it and came bombing out with basically a brown mirror image of her, who it turned out was now one of my best friends, Kelpie. And I was like, what is he? And she said, he's a Kelpie. And it was like, right, okay, let's have a conversation. What is a Kelpie? Yeah. Um, and she has all of the attributes. I've worked her on sheet before. She was quite intense. Uh, she was absolutely fantastic. Uh, she knew exactly what she was doing. Um, and she's brilliant. She's not the sharpest tool in the box. <laughs> Kelpies and these herding breeds are meant to be very intelligent. She's well, not I actually think that's in your favor. <laughs> Yes, she's very innocent. She's very honest. But if you had that, the, the Kelpie herdy, even if you said it was just cattle dog collie, like straight away, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like, why? Yeah. But when you mix that with Stafford, like, that's that potentially the recipe for something. Yeah. Demonic now, is the I've... word I'm going to use. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, her sister has recently shown up at Cardiff Dogs Home. We've managed to track and get all of the chips and everything. And they are from the same litter, absolutely convinced of it. Same age, came from the same place, all of that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Uh, her sister, by all accounts, has lived on a traveller's site by the sounds of it mm -hmm. and has had zero training. And my God, is she sharp. She is snarky. She is the sort of dog that I think would grab hold of the back of your leg, given a second thought um and she's basically elsie with zero training and it made me see hang on a minute there's a lot being done with this weird little dog that i've ended up with um, oh, she's cracking i mean i had a little play with her at the instructor's course and like that not many dogs will go to another handler and go i will listen to you i will try and learn and she was like hey lady you have chimkin awesome let's go and i was yeah. like <laughs> I like this little thing. She's funny. But then I grew up with Collie, so I have an appreciation of your of your pastorals. I like that that set. So but I think it's when we look at kind of how we ended up with our dogs, because you know I've got the two rescues, Tyson, my previous terrier was um, well, I got him when I spelt with my ex-boyfriend. I got rid of the boy and ended up with a dog, which was a much better deal. A hundred percent support that. <laughs> But then like Chica, um, friend of mine bred, and then we bred Minx. Now, would I breed again? No, not at all. Um, one of the things with, um, with having the litter, I was not prepared for the amount of work that puppies are. Oh so my God. raise a litter well, have you been watching Jenny Gold's puppies being raised? No, I oh, try and avoid puppy stuff because it makes me broody and I cannot have another dog in my house. Especially because they're shepherds. Oh, dog, dog. However, like I keep, I keep watching it and she's been basically diarying these, these dogs that she's bred and they're mm -hmm. phenomenal. She breeds from uh, really, really good dogs to start with, but the way that she raises them the amount of socialization and work and effort and everything that goes into it. I don't want a shepherd, but I want a dog from Jenny. Like I would consider a shepherd just to have a dog raised the way that she does it. Yeah, and one of them, phenomenal. do you know Michelle Walker? She um, recently had a little Staffords and the stuff she's been doing with them is like, and even I was like, I even said to hubby like, these, these two aren't earmarked for homes yet. And he was like, how much are they? I didn't even dare ask how much they were. Cause I was like, no, we do not need to add a bull breed puppy into this mix right now. That's not <laughs> but like, 
the neurological development stuff she was doing, the sensory stuff, like the stuff Jane Arden does with her yeah. puppies. And like, you know, for me now, if I was gonna go down, down the route of finding a puppy, the first that I'd be like, oh, are they like, you know, what programs are they doing? Um, puppy culture, like yeah. amazing. If they're following that sort of stuff, like, you know, it's cool. Cause I know Alto's breeders did loads of stuff, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah, loads and loads of things. Um, so generally Tollers could be quite sensitive dogs anyway. So he mm -hmm. is a little bit of a sensitive flower. However, that's just typical of them to be honest. But now he's sort of finding his feet in kind of adulthood and he's turning and I can see all of that work that the breeder did with him. It's not necessarily stuff I've done with him. I can mm -hmm. see the stuff the breeder did with him coming out now. And I'm seeing this like gregarious, bold puppy that's pushy, that's like wants to do stuff. He's got this fantastic little work ethic in him. And I know that that, all right, I fostered it and I've continued to kind of plug away at it. But that was installed by the breeder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and going back to the rescue side of things, it's interesting because we started this talking about the adopt or shop. Mm -hmm. And I've got three rescue dogs and one dog I've shopped for because they all fitted my life at various different points. I don't think there's anything wrong with getting from one of these amazing breeders that we've talked about. Absolutely nothing wrong at all. The thing that worries me is people that go out and just buy a puppy because they have this belief that this puppy is a blank slate that comes pre-trained, that knows everything already. So, you know, I said about Griff, that border collie at the start that would try and bite when she was eating cheese. Mm -hmm. There was another dog that came to Cardiff Dogs Home. Um, by all accounts, she's a sweet dog. She's people social, she's dog social, she's nice. Um, she likes tugging on her lead, but what border collie doesn't particularly like that yeah. given the opportunity. Um, and she it's was- dog. Yeah. She was signed over to Cardiff Dogs Home because she kept chewing her bed. So right. that was it. <laughs> that was the only reason. Right? I, so, wow, that, that was the only, like it chewed his bed. But she also herded the curtains. So when you tried to shut or open the curtains, she'd try and bite at the bottom of the curtains. Right, it's a collie. Yeah. So, but on the flip side is, I couldn't judge that person at that time, going back to our judging thing as mm. well. As much as I'm like, I'm furious at them, I can't judge them for it because actually, they'll know that they made that mistake. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, because we've been nice to them, they'll maybe go for an older trained dog in the future, or not trained, but an older dog that you know what they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just a clear crossover of two moderately well-bred collies that have kind of come from various situations, one of which needed to be signed over to rescue because the owners legitimately couldn't handle him and that was fine. Mm -hmm. And the other one, she didn't really need to sign over to rescue. She just needed a bit of training, but mm -hmm. both came in to rescue and it was the best answer for both of them. And it's that breed specific thing as well, considering what, what is your dog that you're getting? Well, yeah, I mean, we've, um, I've just done a whole episode with um, Martina on Border Collies. There we, there <laughs> just we done go. a whole thing about Collies and how, Working line collies and show line collies and sports line collies are very different creatures and all of that stuff. But it's one of the reasons why whenever I talk about Dodge, especially like um, I did the big talk about him in adolescence and trying to survive that, which 
I think I'm nearly, hopefully when this I love that out, name, I'll Dodging Adolescents. And... I was like, that's a really clever name. I wish I'd come up with it. I like it. <laughs> Do you know what his, his Kennel Club activity register name is? I have to just brag because you're going to love this. Go on. Too Hot to Dodge. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely Sounds love it. Thank you to Lisa. She came up with that. But yeah, so Dodging Adolescents was a bit of a dual name for the talk because it was literally about Dodge in adolescence but also yeah. it was about dodging adolescence because it was a nightmare and I remember like getting the phone call from Gavin I was really honest about it, but one thing I made sure I said in the talk is that I have so much respect for his first home for realizing I think he was 12 weeks when they kind of started coming to decision so they picked him up at eight weeks they were finding him a bit tricky at 10 weeks. At 10 weeks old, he was already shouting at people. Okay, that's a lot. 10 weeks old. Like, seriously. Yeah. Um, By 12 weeks, they were kind of going, oh, okay, not sure about this. We're working with the trainer. Then it was becoming more and more apparent that it wasn't the right stuff. They were first-time dog owners. They really wanted a shepherd because they thought a shepherd was going to look after them and be loyal and... They are all those things, but there's a lot of work yeah. that needs to go into that. They had a young um, daughter who I think was five or something, which obviously small children around herdy breeds is always something yeah. that needs to be managed. Um, and I picked Dodge up, at, I think he was about 16, 17 weeks old. The first month he shouted at my husband every time he walked in the house, in the room. Yeah. He could get up, make a drink, come back in the room and would get shepherded. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, the puppy's fine. Like, this <laughs> he'll grow up. I'm thinking, oh, my God. But you think this is me as a trainer. Yeah. Being very blessed that I have a very dog savvy husband that has been on a few courses with me. So he understands quadrant and he understands reinforcement rates and he sometimes questions what I'm doing which is really rotating uh, <laughs> he he knew about you know the kind of being slow and low in the movements like not staring at him people have this thing they have to stare at a shepherd yeah. public service announcement do not stare at shepherds yes absolutely like any herding breeds especially but also all dogs but I could have judged his family and gone, well, they didn't try. Do you know what they bloody did? Yeah. And they had ended up with what we suspect because unfortunately the breeder, I tried to contact his breeder and didn't get a response, which I, I wanted to get some of his paperwork so that I could just find out about the lines and stuff. Um, we suspect he's come from the more kind of security line shepherds, yeah. which is not suitable for first time dog owners with a small child. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not a thing. <laughs> and that's the thing. I said that in the virtual dog conference. I said there's one kind of line of things that I will judge, and that is poor breeding ethics. So whether that is somebody that's used their dog as a breeding machine and then turned it over to rescue, 100%, I'm going to judge them. And like, I'm, I'm not going to be particularly pleasant to you. Um, and likewise, the people like, say, for example, potentially Dodge's breeder, rehoming that dog to a family home. I worked with a Belgian Malinois not long ago. Um, well, when I say not long ago, it's about four years ago. 
And on the surface, it was quite funny. Um, the dog got brought in for residential training because he kept grabbing hold of her younger brother's balls and just holding on. And this dog was about eight months old. Wow. Um, and the, the, the brother, he was about 13 years old. So you can imagine a poor 13 year old lad, lad having his balls grabbed and held onto by a 10 month old Mally. But also that's a lot of testosterone in a household. Absolutely. Absolutely. Teenage boy, teenage dog. Like that's a lot of hormones going on. And we ended up actually uh, did the training. They still had some issues and we ended up placing the dog within rescue. And the dog's now, I think he's a security dog somewhere up in Scotland, to be honest. I haven't heard of them in a while. But I got in contact with the breeder and find out who the breeder was and all of that sort of thing. And he was breeding from working lines and he had rehomed to a 19 year old girl who had a 13 year old brother living in her same house and they all worked full time. Wow. And the dog was called, well, the dog was called Max. So the dog had been named after Mad Max, the film. <laughs> Always be careful what you name them. Careful Absolutely. what you name them. But not just it's that, the reason, reason. <laughs> they had seen this amazingly trained dog on the TV and gone, we want that. And then this breeder had supplied them that, but with no training. And I can't blame the people that got that dog. I can't blame this girl for getting this dog at all. But that breeder should never have sold that dog to those people. So again, it, it's another Mali. Yeah. And there are again, there are some amazing Malinois breeders out there. And this is not bashing the breeders that are doing it properly. No, not at all. Right. We freaking love what you do, and it's amazing. And please keep doing what you're doing to improve your breed and to keep your breed at a good standard. Yeah. But um, my best friend has um, the most stunning Mally in the world. I'm very biased. Um, it's Dodgy's girlfriend, he adores her. She's, I mean, don't get me wrong. She's a typical Mally in that like, if you are not within her circle, you are not within her circle. Yeah. But when you're in her circle, I've got a picture of me lifting her up, like hugging her like a child with her paws around my neck, loving me. Um, the baby Mau Mau, I love her. Yeah. She was originally sold to a 70-year-old that had never had a dog before. Oh, good grief. In okay. the first year of her life, the two times she was let off lead, she managed to catch her own dinner Um in the form of a deer. Okay. <laughs> That's a big dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she wasn't let off lead or anything. Now, luckily, this lady was working with a trainer. The trainer realised that this really wasn't the suitable setup. And through the power of Facebook, my friend found her. And she's now living her best life. And I've borrowed her for some training courses and Fantastic. she's 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 my substitute mally when when i need a mally i can borrow yeah. one i don't have to live with one all the time <laughs> that sounds but, like the best of both worlds and then i got a shepherd like seriously <laughs> but you could you could judge the old lady for buying the dog but actually as you say and and the breeder has a good reputation for breeding decent dogs yeah but why did you? And in in Mali, she's a bit more of a Labrador Mali than a than a Mali. Mali. Yeah. But I would still argue that she was not suitable for a first time elderly owner. On the flip side to that, though, as well, just to sort of be the 
No, do it. This is why we're having this conversation. Is that people lie. Yeah, yeah. So, say for example, um, oh, I can't think of any actually examples off the top of my head, but when people come down and uh, want to adopt dogs, whether they come down and, or they've spoken to breeders and stuff like this, they'll lie about their situation. They'll say, yes, we're home all the time. We'll walk and train the dog. Yes, we're going to do this. Yes, we're going to do that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think those lies come from a place of malice. I think they come from a little bit of innocent optimism, mm -hmm. uh, excitement of we're going to get this dog. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And then reality is that it doesn't necessarily work out that way. Yeah. Um, and I think that compassion to both sides is important. Like I said, the breeders that sell these dogs to people without thoroughly vetting and all of that sort of stuff and finding out the truth of it, mm. I will hold them accountable. Yeah. But likewise, the people that kind of make promises to do this, that or the other for the dog, and then the reality is that they're not capable of that. I don't think we can judge them for that. Mm. I don't think we can. Um, <laughs> But, but those bastards. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. <laughs> like I said, and it is okay, I think, between friends, between colleagues to have a rant about these people. I think that is all right. Um, but to outwardly, publicly have a go at these people, all it does is alienate them. And if rescues well, alienate was, them... There was a post on Facebook last night um, I saw someone that's um, in the dog world was asking, does anybody know of a breeder of a breed? Um, I know what breed it was. I'm being mindful because I don't actually want to say what breed it was, but straight away, the feed was getting filled up with rescue dogs. Now, some of them were that breed, Straight away, some were like, oh, well, you need to go to this rescue, this rescue, this rescue, this rescue. Straight away, some were like, adopt, don't shop, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, if people like that breed and it's going to be a pet dog, then I would argue that there is a dog in rescue for that person. Yeah. The reason you got Alto was as a sports dog, correct? Absolutely. Now... We said this before we started recording, but with Dodge, the second I got Dodge and I finally got this shepherd because I'd wanted a shepherd forever. I grew up with shepherds. I'd wanted yeah. my own shepherd. I was like, oh, maybe we can do a bit of this, bit of that, bit of Mondio, bit of whatever. You know, I've just done an episode with um, Bryony talking about Mondio. It became very apparent to me quite quickly, especially once teenage started kicking in, that that was not going to be a thing for us. Yeah. Now, if I was going out to get a dog for Mondio, I would be researching my breeders. I would be looking for puppies that had been bred as sport dogs for that line. And you're looking for something very, very specific. And I think this is where it's very difficult that when you've got people that are going out and buying puppies and they are going to be committed to those puppies, for the rest of that dog's life, is that a bad thing? No. I don't think it is. It's when people go out, get a puppy on a whim, and then go, oh, actually, the rescue can deal with it now. Yeah, yeah. However, again, being de playing devil's advocate mm -hmm. on this, is that 
we need to look at why people do that and it's lack of education yep so it's again I, i'm going to bring up that sentence that one that i said have you done the best that you can with the knowledge that you've got and people don't go and buy 70 year olds don't go and buy a belgian malinois for it to eat their house they don't do that they don't do, go and do it so that it bites their brother on the balls that that's i mean you'd hope not anyway well, uh, <laughs> it depends how annoying it is. Like, I'm a younger sister, so that option has been tempting in this far life. Well, that's ill-advised. No, no. <laughs> um, but the reason people go out and buy these dogs is generally because they don't know better. Mm. And we can't vilify people for not knowing better. We can't. And as much as like we can say, that was a really shitty choice. What the hell are you playing <laughs> really shitty Bad choices 100 percent. Oh, sorry i don't know if i'm allowed to swear sorry you've done it now so no, crack on. sorry explicit <laughs> warning it's fine i did warn people it was likely to get controversial i should have said we're going to swear as well so absolutely absolutely um so yeah like we can't vilify those people for making those choices we can call them out for it and we can say look this was a poorly educated decision mm -hmm. however we also need to back that up so I say to clients, for example, a little bit of a parallel, I get a lot of clients that come to me that are quite punishment heavy with their dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and my job is to basically solve their dog's issues and hopefully switch them to a more positive way of thinking, basically. Yeah. So say for, I was having this conversation with my auntie earlier, actually, and she was asking about uh, a good way to stop saying no to her dog. She wants to be more positive with her dog. <laughs> and I was saying that actually I quite often say no to my dogs because I am human. It falls out. If I see Alto chewing a skirting board, I'll go eh, no! or something. <laughs> it falls out. It falls out because you're chewing a skirting board. But my rule is, is that you're allowed to say no to your dog as long as you follow it with a positive instruction. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, if a no falls out, you've then got to say, leave it, then give your dog something better to do. And then like, I don't know, stop the dog from having access to that particular area, turn it into a positive thing. So a no can happen. However, you've got to do something with that. And we've got to do the same with people. We can say to these people, look, the Belgian Mali in your house was a bad idea. However, how about we have a think about this instead? Mm -hmm. How about next time we do something like this? And here are the viewpoints and the routes that you can take to get that kind of thing. We can't just go, terrible people yeah end the conversation there it can't happen no and like i mean with the example like dodge like the situation dodge came from is a really good example because i remember like like meeting the lady and she she was lovely and she follows him on insta and checks out what he's doing and probably breathes a sigh of relief that she made the decision she did at times she must be overjoyed seeing him do all of that sort of well, stuff yeah, i thought and she knows that he's living his best life with a trainer. Yeah. I I send, um, some I've of got, his potential. On Messenger, I've got Peach's very first owners. So the ones that bought her from the Foxhound Farm, the working kennels up in mm -hmm. Aberdeer somewhere. And every now and then I just send them a couple of pictures and updates and stuff like that. And they're like, we're so glad we gave her up. Like, we are so glad. They're the young baby. They realise, hang on a minute, a young baby and a Foxhound. Yeah, it wasn't going to work. No. So, like, I remember like chatting, chatting with um, with the the first owner and sort of saying, oh, you know, like, I'm I'm going to give him like the best chance. At the time, I didn't know if he was staying or not. I told hubby we were fostering. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
It's all right. I told myself that I was doing residential training. Yeah, <laughs> we lied to ourselves. You paid but... when you told yourself this. Or did you... Yes. Oh, okay. yeah, thankfully, yes. I However... wasn't even being paid. This was like, I'll be honest with you, in my brain, I was like, as long as Munch gets on with him, he's staying. But I told Hubby he was, he was going to be fostered because... My attitude was, well, I can get him out of the situation and get his foundations in. If he stays wicked, if he doesn't, then I've given him good foundations to move yeah. on to the next step. You know, I've done fostering with the kittens. But fostering dogs is very different, though. Yeah. I feel you're more invested because you put a bit more in with them. Yeah. But with him, like, when we were talking... Um, with the owner I said like oh you know are you are you going to get another dog she was like oh I don't think we can and I said don't rule it out but yeah. maybe get something a little bit smaller maybe even look at a rescue that's a little bit older because I don't think they were prepared for how much work a puppy was going to be like, how much work a shepherd puppy was going to be because yeah. like all puppies are land sharks fact yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but there's a difference between having a little nurse shark in your house and a baby great white. Um, yeah. And I was on the more extreme. But, you know, when I got him, and this is one of the reasons I freaking love them, he was house trained, he was crate trained, and he travelled in the van beautifully. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Okay, I'll teach you to walk on lead now. We're still working on that. But it's fine. I'm a dog trainer. I'm qualified. <laughs> But I feel that for them, maybe if, and I'm, I'm kind of surmising because I don't know the full situation, but I feel that for them, maybe if they'd gone to a rescue and said, look, we've got a five-year-old, we're looking for a small to medium-sized dog that's going to be fine around the kid. I hope they do that one day yeah. because I think they would be the most amazing home for a dog, yeah. just not that dog. Funny that you say that, that Border Collie, the one with the lunging and the cheese eating. Yeah, I yeah. kept in contact with them and I've said, look, when you're ready for another dog, send me a message. We'll do a free consultation. And what I'll do is I'll help you find the right dog for you yeah. and your family. And we'll do stuff like that because they are a five star home. They're wonderful. It's just that that fit wasn't right. That's all it was. Um, same with that big Dane cross. I've said the same thing to his previous owner mm -hmm. saying, look, when you're ready, let me know. We'll help you find the right dog and the right situation and all of that sort of yeah. thing. It is absolutely fine. I'm going to throw you out of the window, sir. And it's... <laughs> She's joking. <laughs> she doesn't mean it. Oh, my God. I definitely mean um, it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and this is the thing, because, like, obviously, I helped out um, at Kennels on a volunteer basis for a while, and I was doing some of the stuff with the long-termers and I remember one went to a house that on paper seemed perfect, then got a phone call of he'd, he was in the kitchen, the dog had come in the kitchen, the dog had basically cornered him and he didn't feel safe living in the house with the dog. Yeah. And it, it was a shepherd mix. He was big enough. And like, I remember I spent, it must have been a good three months just sitting in a run, like in, in the big run, not even the kennel run, just in the big area, sitting, ignoring him before I could even work with this dog. And then I used to, I, I used to love it because I'd go to McDonald's, get chicky nuggies, go and pick him up from the rescue, drive him to a field and we'd go for a walk, he'd get chicky nuggies, we'd come back. And at one point, I was one of the few people that was actually able to walk him 
yeah. in the world because I had the skill set as a trainer. I could understand what he needed and all the rest of it. But do you know what? His forever home came along and I'm friends with them on Facebook. We stay in touch. I actually, um, he'd been in the home about six months or so. And it was, um, they said to me, oh, do you want to come and like see him? And I was like, make sure he's settled. And I went around there and he was like, oh, auntie's here yay and like I'm not gonna lie I cried like a baby <laughs> but the first time he went to that didn't work out I went to go and pick him up I got a message from the rescue saying it hasn't worked and I went where is he I will go and get him yeah because I felt as responsible for that dog as the rescue did I'm not gonna lie and the bit that I I felt awful the guy um wanted to say goodbye and I was like let's bring him out to my van when you're ready and he saw my van and literally dragged to get in the van oh bless him um but his association of my van was McDonald's chicken nuggies and going for a walk so yeah. I felt really bad for the guy because like he was gutted it hadn't worked out but certain certain training plans weren't followed it was just things were changed it wasn't the right match he's now in the most amazing home yeah. ever and he's living his best life. I'm sure you quoted Brad Mondo about 17 times in this, and I've loved it. That's <laughs> fine. I you like her fabulous hair, that's why. <laughs> but I think that th there is a kind of, there's the group of people that go, oh, I could never rescue because they're broken. Then there's the flip side of it of you should never buy from a breeder because dogs shouldn't be bred. And I think we need to find the middle ground again because the dog world's getting very yeah. left and right wing and where's the sparkles in the middle, the middle people? But the thing is, what's missing is that actually the majority of people in dog world, I mean, you get your fanatics on either side. You'll always get your fanatics either mm -hmm. way. Um, but the majority of people in dog world are fairly sensible. And I would say probably think fairly similarly to what we've just been talking about. It's just- You do realize you've just said we're sensible, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I realize that. As I've got my hand in a crate so a puppy can chew it so that he stops whinging. <laughs> um, but yeah, when we're looking at stuff like this, it's the more that we polarize our opinions and put them out as polarized, the more the public are going to polarize them further. Mm -hmm. So say for example, the more that people see adopt don't shop, the more ardent the public are going to be about that within community groups and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And actually, just like I said, that the education that's missing in rescue for those medium dogs, the ones that have a few niggles, but it's not bad. Mm. And it's exactly the same thing with people. It's the middle group, the people that are on the fence, the people that don't know. And there's not, the, the education isn't there for them yeah. because there's no need for them to go out and seek the education. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massively, massively. And I think that, I mean, for me, like I didn't want a puppy, you know, I didn't go out looking for a puppy because people are like, oh, look, I've got a puppy. And I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. Those things bite. Like, yeah. But I'm looking at it from a trainer's eye of the sleepless nights and the teething and like, you've yeah. lived it. Yeah. Um, I think that for me, like, I mean, Munch was, Munch was a rescue, but she was puppy. We got her, I think she was only six weeks when we got her. 
um, and we were home number two. Eek. Um, but we got very lucky. Yeah. In the fact that she's very cool. But I also put her first training class, she was eight weeks old at her first training class. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I've just got an unknown bull breed. We need to do some training. It's actually kind of her fault that I'm a dog trainer because that's what got the bug. And I had this super drivey rescue puppy. So I've kind of seen both sides of it. But for me, having a puppy is really hard work. And actually, if I was just looking for a dog now just to add to the set as a pet and maybe do a bit of sports stuff with, but nothing serious... I would be trawling the rescues. Yeah. Yeah. If I decided I wanted to do something super, super specific, then I would be trawling through breeders to find a good, ethical breeder that is producing well-tempered, healthy, and when I say healthy, I'm talking about mental and physical health. Yeah, absolutely. I applaud those breeders and I think we need to be very careful that we need to stop lumping things into this and this. It's, 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 too black it's and white. never black and white. It never is. Every single person is a grey area and yeah. us as professionals, our job should be to sort out what fits into that grey area, mm. not to be to force our version or our paradigm onto somebody. Yeah, exactly that, exactly that. Right, let's go on to breeds before we end up doing a five-hour podcast. I was going to say, I was going to say. But, no, I, I think it's important what we said, and, you know, if we've we've raised points and people can agree or disagree, but if it starts conversation, then our work here is done. Yeah, That's fingers crossed, I'm... fingers crossed. So, let's talk tollers, because I always joke that Minx looks like a teacup toller. She does. She does. Because she actually doesn't like a teacup toller, bless her. Um, They're gun dogs. Yep. So the official title. I feel like this is is a good time to take him out of his crate and sit on the floor with him because he's going to start whinging. So carry on. Oh, Dodge has just done a massive yawn in the microphone, by the way. That was Dodge, not me. Um, So Nova Scotia Duck Tolling Retriever. Yes. So Duck Tolling. Am I right in thinking that they run up and down the banks? Yeah, so, and I'm not an expert in tollers by any stretch of the imagination. He is my first. Um, But yeah, they were bred um, to basically play in the water's edge, which would lure the ducks in. The ducks would then get shot and then obviously they'd then go out and retrieve, which is quite a weird reason (laughs) for a dog to be bred. Um, Supposedly that colouring, like supposedly the foxes playing on the shoreline would actually lure in the ducks for whatever reason. I don't know why that is. I don't know. It's um, really stupid. I'm just going to put that out there. Exactly. Like, oh, that's big preservation. Swim, 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 swim. Um, and then, yeah, they ended up uh, breeding tollers for that kind of reason, which is kind of cool. Um, that said, he's eight months old now and has only really just discovered how much fun water is. Uh, he was a little bit of a wuss about it to start with. So oh. He did have a swim at about 10 weeks of age. Um, I think it was, uh, I had no idea what was going through his head that day, but there we go. But yeah, he's a strange little creature. They're sensitive. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my friends who is uh, one of the heads of one of the taller clubs, there's two taller clubs in the UK. Um, she describes tollers as um, 
arrogant, sensitive flowers. And that's right, of- okay, cool, good to know. Yeah. So he is an arrogant little shithead. So he'll go up to a dog and be like, oh, what's going on here? Chest puffed out, tail up, being a little bit like Randy. But if it gives him a funny look or tells him to F off, he'll go, oh, no, I'm dying. And it sums him up quite well. Um, right. Yeah, he's it, it, kind of one or the other. I, I like that about him. They have got a fantastic work drive. Mm-hmm. Um, he's my pushiest dog by far. So I could be walking through a field, for example, and the others are running and playing and he's jabbing at my hand next to me going, let's do the heel work, let's do the heel work. Let's do work, let's do training. Yeah. George can be a bit like that sometimes. Like he'd much prefer to be training and working rather than doing dog stuff. So yeah. that's, yeah, that's a good thing. And um, it's funny with that sort of thing because you almost need to let them be a bit dog. Kamal Fernandez, he gave me, and if we're doing swearing, he gave me a bit of a bollocking not long ago because he was like, let your puppy That doesn't sound like Kamal at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like his advice. I like his, like, this is how it is. Yeah. Get on with it. Stop dicking about. Okay. Um, but yeah, and he was saying, look, you need to let him be a bit more puppy. You need to encourage more pushiness, less precision. And honestly, if you've got a sports dog, that was the best bit of advice I've ever mm-hmm. received because the dog that I'm seeing now, for giving him a break from training and doing more, let's encourage pushiness. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's turning into a naughty little ass hat, but as far as a sports But you're dog, also, yeah, but you're also at the prime of testosterone. So yeah. give it 18 months, he might be nice by then. I mean, maybe. Um, <laughs> like I said, I'm going to keep up with the threats of throwing him out of a window. <laughs> no, that's not a training method. Joking, joking. Um, <laughs> Carla's joking. I'm not joking. It's definitely not joking. <laughs> I don't. I always say to people, you're allowed to imagine throwing your dog out of a window. You're just not allowed to actually do it. It's mm. frowned upon to actually. Yeah, but that's like me telling people they can do happy swearing in recall. Yeah, that's you can exactly. Say whatever it. you want as long as it's in a super happy voice. Yeah. But the other half knows if I do happy swearing, I'm really angry. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, but so. You got him to do obedience. Yes. Again, yeah. it's not a breed that I'm not saying Tollers aren't known for obedience. Um, I've met a few in the Hoopers world. Um, they're quite versatile. They can kind of turn yeah. their paw to a bit of this, a bit of that. I know a as few. As far as I know, there's only the first toller to get up to C, which is like the highest level in competitive obedience, was actually his grandfather. Uh, and that's how I happened across this particular line and all of that sort of thing, because the breeder, she competes in obedience herself. Obedience is her thing. So and he has come from lines that do obedience. So he has been bred with a sport purpose in mind and yeah. obedience as a specific sport. Whereas if you were going to use him as a gun dog, <coughs> you would have found a line of working gun dog colors. Yeah, funnily enough, his dad is a gun dog. So his uh, dad is a working gun dog. So your uh, retrieve should be spot on, no excuses. <laughs> At the moment, uh, it's <laughs> hit and miss, I'll be honest. The hound retrieves better than he does. Um, teenage, don't judge anything at the moment from someone that's come on the other side of it don't, don't judge his testosterone it's not his fault <laughs> I'm just glad that he is a very hairy dog because currently he's got big pink dangly swingers and I'm just really glad I can't see him because of all of that bum fluff that he's got saying no more on that one sorry carry on before I'm talking <laughs> about dog testicles <laughs> no but furry nuts are, are not as offensive as like because I mean, bless them, a sta- when you see like a Stafford or a Mastiff or something, yeah. they're just, anyway, we are digressing on dog nuts. Wow, amazing. <laughs> um, so back to what we were saying about Tollers. 
good points of having a toddler why would you say they make a good dog to have as a pet um for the most part currently we haven't got a great off switch because we're having testosterone and just general adolescency stuff fast forward <laughs> fast forward generally they've got a better off switch so if you imagine a border collie with the intensity and energy of a border collie but with a little bit of that edge taken off a little bit of that sharpness taken off that's okay. probably the best way that i would describe how they are um they're from what i know as well they're brilliant family dogs um they're generally quite social they can be a little bit aloof with strangers and not not like reactive in any way but they're quite like eh, i don't really care um bad thing so they're the sort of dog that you can say for example go to the beach with and they're just gonna be like yeah I don't really care about what's around me I want to hang out with my human but likewise if something rushes over to them they're not likely to have an aggressive response they'll go all right cool wicked job done rather than yeah. <gasps> yeah and that's what I wanted because I know like Elsie and Trevor can both be reactive in their own ways Peaches being a very independent dog that wants to kind of do her own thing I was very much <laughs> like what I would love in a fourth dog slightly stupidly uh is let's go uh, for number four and see what happens yeah exactly exactly um but what what i wanted was to have that stability of temperament mm. because i haven't had that in i'd say in the other three despite the fact that peach's temperament is very good her independence does somewhat get her into trouble um but that's slightly more velcro-y but confident and temperamentally sound dog that's that's kind of why i went for a toddler now i could have gone i'm in i was also on a list for a flat coated retriever mm -hmm. um but flat coats have got a very high instance of cancer uh yeah. and the health issues really really worried me whereas tollers they can have autoimmune issues and they can suffer from something called ibdd but he's okay. cleared for like his particular line is cleared for a lot of that stuff so again health testing people like yeah. and a vet check is not the same no it's health not test that's the thing like point that out like, I, I wish i could find it i'm not certain where it is off the top of my head but Alto came with what I would expect all breeders to send their dogs home with. He came with this box. It had a couple of his favorite toys, blanket that smelled like mum and all of that kind of thing and a bag of food. But it also came with a folder that like, so say for example, tollers can suffer from autoimmune issues. Mm -hmm. so, and that you can't genetically test for. It is just a thing that can crop up basically. But in there was like, what to do if this happens? What are the wow. symptoms of this before it even starts? There was also all of the health tests that have gone on through all of his generation, like previously. So his mum and his dad and his grandmother and granddad. I got to meet his like four generations worth of wow. his family Amazing. because they're all still within the same home. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it, it, like the amount of information and even the support with the breeder. We had um, a little resource guarding issue crop up with him. Not a bad one at all, but I just noticed he started to get a bit snarky about things. It turns out the ex other half had been causing possibly a couple of issues with throwing sticks. If he hears, <laughs> I'm going to get an angry message, but I don't mind. Um, but yeah, basically with all of that sort of stuff, I, like, I messaged her and said, this has cropped up. What do you think? Has any of his relatives got kind of similar issues? And she was like, no, but there's this, but there's this, but there's this. Talk through me with it and it's absolutely fine. And actually yeah. the issue is now a non-issue. It, it, it's kind of kind of resolved because we've just adapted a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. Obviously being a retriever, he is going to be more prone to kind of guardy behaviors because I do find that generally they are. 
Um, carrying things because they like to carry stuff. That's exactly it. And you know what? He doesn't want dogs coming up and taking the thing out of his mouth while he's doing some carrying, which is fine. Yeah, Munch would take umbrage of another dog trying to take something out of her mouth. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I do have to be careful with her and Dodge if they're playing. Like, Dodge sometimes tries to snatch things off her, and I'm like, dude, that's not a thing. Because yeah. if she turns around and says no, like, I'm that's not a discussion I need to happen in my household. Uh, absolutely not. <laughs> so, size wise, how big are they? Because they're not quite as big as a golden retriever, are they? But they're bigger than a spaniel. Yes. So I'd say about halfway in between the two. So fully grown, he'll probably be about 22 kilos. Nice. Um, so they're not big dogs by any means. Um, I mean, he's mostly hair. I was surprised by this the other day. I've been looking at him and thinking, you don't feel fat, but you look fat. Uh, but he got, you know, those pictures I posted him covered in mud. And I was like, yeah, got- yep, swamping. Yeah. Um, he'd been swamping and I realised just how much of a weed he is. He's like this noodly leggy creature under all of this round fluff that he's got. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but yeah, so they're not big dogs by any means. And that's another thing I quite like about them. I like yeah, the a nice side, like in case of emergency, you could pick him up without breaking your back. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's exactly it. And at the end of the day, I live in a two bedroom house in the valleys. I haven't got room for a big dog in my house. Yeah. Um, and with four other dogs, particularly a now aging arthritic staffy, um, I don't want a big dog that's necessarily smashing him around or anything like that. So like he's going to be a bit bigger than Peaches. They're about the same weight now. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got another couple of kilos to go um and basically the size kind of suited what I wanted yeah no and and as you say it's a nice dog that will work so we've kind of said the good stuff is there any bad stuff about toys now you've mentioned about the autoimmune thing which obviously that can be devastating if that does crop up but you were aware it's a possibility and obviously your breeder made you aware that it's a possibility um again well done to the good breeders why would you suggest that maybe a toddler wouldn't be a good fit for someone? If they didn't have the, if they didn't have the time to give them the best that they could. So all I'm seeing with Alto is just how much he's capable of. Mm-hmm. And if I'm honest, that scares me sometimes because I'm like, I need to make the most of this incredible little brain that he's got. And I think in a family home, they'd be fine. But I think in sports homes and homes that do that extra stuff, they thrive and they really thrive on it. Um, So I'd say, like I said, the bad point would be that I think a board toller would be a problematic toller, a very problematic toller. I think that they would very quickly go and find themselves in all sorts of different trouble. If the people were, say, like doing like a scent work class in the week or a Hooper's class or... A they're not the sort of dog that needs like, like absolutely everything all day every day uh but they do need something they do yeah, yeah. Need something. But i think that's true a lot of a lot of the gun dog breeds because they're they do originate from doing work at the end yeah. of the day majority of dog breeds had a job and it's our job to give them a new purpose rather than just going, oh, well, they lay on the sofa all day, unless it's a greyhound. And then they're yeah. very happy to just lay on a sofa all day, run around the field for 10 minutes and then go back to laying on the sofa again. Um, so no, I, I think that's interesting. And it's a, again, it's a breed that I'm surprised you don't see more often because- You know what? 
I agree with you on that one. They're not common in the UK. They're very common in the States, very common. In yeah. the States. But in the UK, they're not common. And part of me doesn't want to tell anyone about them. Because that's absolutely fine. I'm like, I want to keep them a secret. Yeah, absolutely. I want to keep them a secret. But at the same time, they are these fantastic, versatile little dogs. Like you can, I can go out and we can go for a hike up a mountain or we can go to the beach and there could be kids around or I can do some agility training or he can sit in the van for four hours or he can do obedience. They are versatile in that sense. And he's happy to just be doing whatever that is. He doesn't care. They're also very, very motivated. They're quite high drive dogs. So whether it is toys or food or anything, they're very easily motivated by a lot of stuff. They are, however, not as biddable as your typical Labrador. Mm-hmm. They're thinkers. So um, his dad, they always joke that he's called five second Topaz. So his name's Topaz. So you'll ask him to do something and he'll have a think about it for five seconds and then he'll do it. Um, <laughs> I wondered where you were going with that. I'm not going to laugh. Trust you, find out the gutter. Um, so Half yeah. the listeners' brains did the same, I'm just saying. <laughs> I didn't like I've normally got my mind in the gutter and I didn't even clock that one um so yeah generally speaking your Labrador you're going to say do this and they're going to go yes of course sir whereas your taller is going to go yes but why they're a bit more thinky so and I like you, that um oh I did the episode Kirsty um who has bull terriers she said dogs are either yes dogs or why dogs and i think the why dogs such a good description yeah like yeah I so they say... fall more into the why category than the yes okay category but that's cool yeah. and some people like that and i yeah i just i think they're nice little dogs i think they're i i would say that for a lot of people they would they would make a nice pet dog um as long as you find one that's been nicely bred and blah 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 blah. 100 and it's worth speaking to both breed clubs and speaking to the individual breeders because there's actually quite a variety in personality between dogs from different breeders in the uk because like speak to both breed clubs they've got puppy secretaries all of that sort of thing is there a ton of rescue do they come into rescue very often not very often. We recently had one at Cardiff Dogs Home, funnily enough, um, that I actually... I remember uh, seeing him, actually, yeah. Yeah, helped them. Basically, it was during pandemic. We couldn't get the dog down to the Toller rescue down on the south coast, so we came to Cardiff Dogs Home and we rehomed him from there. Um, there isn't a Toller rescue as such, mm-hmm. but one of the um, people that runs one of the Toller clubs does have some kennels that she uses and she helps owners out if they're absolutely stuck. But I think that is actually nice to hear that there isn't the need for a breed no, rescue. That's the thing. They're very far and few between, but finding, speaking to those breed secretaries and all of that kind of thing about, thank you very much, Peaches, what are you doing? No, <laughs> she's helping. Love her. What she's doing she's is helping. she's helping on me. If, if um, the audio just went weird, Peaches is helping, that's why. Uh, yeah. Um, Right, Carla, let's wrap it up because I have no idea how long we've been talking for. Uh, um, an hour and a half. <laughs> well, yeah, it's fine. Claire Staines' episode was like an hour and 40 minutes. So you've either on par or you've beaten her. One of the two, it's fine. Um, <laughs> thank you so, so much. So if people are in the beautiful South Wales, 
they can find you at Valley's Dog Training? In yeah, if you search Valley's Dog Training on Facebook, it comes up with me. It's the one with the little black logo. Um, and if they are basically, I'm currently in the process of revamping the website and everything because lockdown and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they send a message through to that, they can always contact Instagram, me. Instagram, um, Facebook, any of that stuff? Uh, Facebook is the easiest place to search me. I do have an Instagram as well. However, apologies in advance because that is also my personal one. It's just oh, no, never have that. No, you have to have separate Instas. No, no. So it's all in there together. So basically it is dogs interspersed with the occasional socialist memes. And I'm really sorry about that in advance. <laughs> what it is babe is what it is um you can find my dogs on social media instagram um at minch chihuahua at dodge shepherd canine hoopers world is on facebook insta apparently twitter and until next time guys stay safe be kind wash your hands thoroughly keep your dogs on lead around livestock don't let them lick toads take care guys bye For more information on Hoopers, where to find classes and Canine Hoopers World Instructor courses, find us on Facebook, like our page, join our free group, Canine Hoopers World. You can follow us on Instagram and we're also on Twitter at Canine Hoopers. Check out our website, www.caninehooperswild.com. Remember, Canine Hoopers World, everyone's invited.